Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and good evening. Welcome to Monday night's Rangers Rabble podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Robert, tonight, and I'm joined by Wilf and William. Uh, how are we doing, lads? All right? All good, mate. All good. Fine, fine, fine. Listen, it's been a it's been a noisy one on social media earlier on. Obviously, uh, another sort of fan media group have had an interview with ten percent, I think, um, shareholder Stuart um, Gibson. Uh, I've had a wee sample of that the night before I've come on here, so I will delve into that uh, and a bit more, obviously, about Hibs uh, midweek as we go through. But it's the only place to start because it's the only thing people have been talking about since this morning. So um, I know you boys have been um, busy boys today, so I'll break it up down for you. I mean, the first 15, 20 minutes is basically him getting a wee bit of a backstory about where he's from, etc. So I don't really want to delve into that too much because it's not really an interest to people that are probably watching. Um, other than... Um, He's an investor and a fan, uh, and he's made a, a lot of money. I think with, with big sort of building big warehouses in Asia. Um, he did sort of touch on how it sort of came about and and, and things like that. But the, the big one for me was uh, 20, 2012. He, he was saying how it was still raw, and he was hurting from that a wee bit still. But he he was pressed a wee bit on relationships with, with other clubs and other board members, and I think that's quite prevalent still to this day. So, well, if I'll come to you, the phrase he used, he said there's it doesn't sense any goodwill from other clubs towards Rangers still to this day after how we were treated um, back in 2012. Can't argue with that. I mean, it's there was what what 2012 and the the goings on in the, in the, after, in the aftermath of the the administration and the financial meltdown, what it, what it showed was that basically we've got absolutely no allies in this country. None. I mean, even clubs that we thought or that I, that I thought would possibly be sympathetic to our cause weren't sympathetic to our cause. I mean, they had a vote to keep us in the league and nobody said, yeah, keep them in the league. One, one club abstained because they didn't have the bottle to say, yeah, keep them in the league. So 
that just showed we had you no, know, we had absolutely no allies at all. I mean, even, I mean, the thing that was that, that still start for me from it okay, happened eleven years ago, but still the amount of clubs that that basically deferred it to their, their support base and said, well, we'll let the fans decide. Well, the fans were only ever going to decide one thing because they wanted rid of us because it would give them a chance of winning something at some point. I mean, I mean, they would ne- they would never win the league because Celtic would just win it ad infinitum if we, if we weren't here, as was proved when we were when we weren't in the top league, and the first two or three years when we came back. But it would have given them a chance to win cups, which some of them have gone on to do. But the the hatred towards Rangers has got worse because a lot of the a lot of the match going fans now have grown up in the in the wake of our financial meltdown eleven years ago, and they've grown they've grown up with the you know, the hate that was pushed towards us. You know, and it was... There was, I mean, there was a few clubs that I, I thought, well, you know, they're okay. They're, they're, they don't particularly mind us. They don't like us because they don't, I mean, you're not, they're not here to like us. I don't like any other club in the league, never have. But there's some that I, I like more than others. And, but they all just, no, they don't, they don't like us. They put up with us because they know they need us. And if it wasn't for the fact that that our, that our fan base was as big as it is, they would probably still be trying to get rid of us, but they'll, they'll never get rid of us. That, that was that was proven back, back then. But there is, I mean, he was 100% right in what he said in the interview, that there is no goodwill towards Rangers. And it is, it's, it's only getting worse for some clubs. There's two or three clubs that I don't think he can ever be repaired with. No, listen, I think that's been evident, as you say, for a number of years. Um, William, I'll come to you in the next bit because this was probably the last 10 minutes of the interview and it was sort of the best the best it got, to be honest. He sort of broke down uh, or was pressed on maybe relationships with certain members of the board. Uh, he started off with, with Stuart Robertson um, and was asked if there was maybe some um, harsh treatment from supporters and a misunderstanding of the, um, the, the director. Um, he sort of said there was maybe on Robertson's part, I've got to say this, right, a, a scarcity of engagement. Would you agree there that the board are just not forthcoming and engaging with, with the supporters um, and also sort of fan groups as well? I think it's been like that pretty much since I've watched Rangers, to be honest. Like, you didn't really get many interviews for, for anybody. Like, I think it's become a modern thing now that people want to hear from, like, the board. They want to hear from sporting directors. They want to hear from all these other people. See, in the past... I don't know, you could probably ask a lot of supporters who half the people were that actually worked behind the scenes at the club. They probably couldn't tell you who they were. Because all that really mattered was the players on the pitch and the manager, the coaching staff, everything else didn't really like come to the fore. Whereas now, when you look at football, all you see now is sack the board stuff or we want this guy out. And that was never a thing like 15, 20 years ago. Like, so nobody talked about doing things like that. It's never really been a big thing in my heyday, like, I mean, when I grew up watching Rangers, I didn't really care who was putting money out of the club, I was just watching the team on the pitch, you know, I didn't worry about wage bills or transfer fees and obviously stuff like FFPs come in, so all this thing's all very, very new, so all this stuff about let's hear more for more people, I'll be totally honest with you, see if Rangers put out like a one-hour interview with Stuart Robertson, how many people would actually sit and really take a notice of it? I don't think there would be that many because that's just how football is. People just want change all the time. And, I mean, the one thing I would say is, see when people say stuff like sack the board, I don't think there's a 
hundreds of other people out there that are looking to invest in Rangers Football Club, especially when it's in Scottish football, because Scottish football just doesn't really make any money. So all you're doing is putting your money into a club and you're never going to see it again. You know, that's the sad reality of investing in Rangers and Celtic to a point as well. I don't see... I mean, this guy, for instance, I think he's put in about five or six million pounds into Rangers. He's never going to get any of that money back. He's done it because he's a fan. He's invested in the in the club because of that. He knows he's never seen that money again, just like all the other guys in the board who've, who've pumped in loads of money. They're never going to see the 20, 30, 40 million. It's all gone because I don't see anybody or a huge queue of people looking to buy the shares either. And if there is... There's always going to be scepticism of people that's out with the kind of known people. So what if, what if like, I don't know, like somebody from Saudi Arabia said that they'll buy Rangers? How comfortable would you feel given what's happened in the past? You know, this is the problem that people will always have. So it's easy to say, let's get these people out the door, but at least we know who these guys are. Whereas if somebody comes in as an investor from the outside who... You know, like sort of nobody knows anything about. Maybe after a year or two, they're thinking, like, you know what, this investment's not going anywhere. Like they could just walk away and leave the club in a really terrible position. Whereas these guys are not going to do that. I accept people want to see the team running in the pitch, but I don't really get the whole like get the board out thing. That's just like my personal opinion on it. Well, that's uh, that theme seems to be growing stronger. Obviously, there's a lot of um, obviously we've got the banners, which I'm sure we'll touch on later on. But there's been a lot of sort of. Um, Posts on social media, where uh, pictures of Stuart Robertson and um, Ross Wilson, the crosses in their face. This thing's sort of blown up tonight about the the, the, the Peruvian owls, I think it was, or, or, or was it Paraguayan owls? What, what was it? What was it? Wolf, you were talking about earlier on. Yeah, Par- Paraguayan owls. I'm not quite sure. Carl did say that apparently the Paraguayan owl is on the verge of becoming extinct, and that she, she <laughs> thinks that that they're uh, they're wanting to make the board extinct. I don't I don't really know because. For me, if you've got a campaign slogan that people don't understand, what's the point? You know what I mean? Because nobody knows what it means. Because we're guessing that that's what it means. I, I hadn't even, I hadn't even seen it till I saw it in the group chat earlier on. To be perfectly honest, because I don't pay a lot of attention to things like that. Because I mean, as William said, you know, when we when we were younger, um, you didn't even know who owned. It. You're lucky if you knew who owned your football club. You know, you probably couldn't name your director. You know, your directors or your chairman or whatever, you know, and a lot of it's coincided with the advent of social media because you can't keep anything quiet these days. Social media peddles loads and loads of stuff, absolutely loads. I mean, I saw a, th- a quite a, quite a good thing. It's totally not football related. I saw quite a good a good um, gif a couple of days ago on social media, and it was a it was a guy speaking to a couple of Amish gentlemen, right? And he said, "How come you have never had COVID?" And he said, "Quite simply, because we don't have televisions." Mm. Well, because it's never been peddled to them. So that's it. You know, somebody starts a campaign and they see it on the TV or they see it on social media and it gathers a lot of, it gathers a lot of traction. And what you tend to find is that that it's like the the people that are for that are for the campaign are, are a lot more vocal than the people that are against it, despite the fact that quite often there's a lot more people against it than for it. But you don't hear them because they don't say much about it. You know, I mean I don't William's right. You can't sack a board. That's that's ridiculous. You, you you just can't. It's you can you can kind of force them out, but to force them out, you need somebody to buy them, somebody to buy it. And I don't ever want us in the situation where one person owns Rangers again because because what happened before can happen again, and we don't want. Yeah. I mean, th- there's other clubs in Scotland who are 
but there but for the grace of God go them because they're owned by single individuals. And if they decide to pull out or sell to a, a charlatan, they'll end up in the same situation that we were in. Although I don't doubt for a minute they'll be treated completely differently the way we were. So, and so that's it. Tom, see what I was going to say quickly is I get right, there's different there's different age groups, right, who support Rangers. So people go on about this, like sort of Rangers Dash stuff and all that. See the simple reality is like so I see when we grew up, right? A lot of the stuff that you, that you see now, it wasn't a thing. I mean, I went to the football without a mobile phone. So I would leave the house at like nine o'clock in the morning. You didn't get back until like seven or eight o'clock at night. You know, like people didn't know where you were, other than the fact you were away to see Rangers. You could be on a bus, sitting in the pub, at the game, back to the pub, back on the bus, back down the road. And nobody asked where you were, what you'd done. You didn't take pictures. You didn't tell the world that you'd been to a football match. Whereas now everything's just magnet, eh, eh, magnetized, eh, magnified a thousand times over. So you can't get away from anything. So everything that happens at a football club or... You know, this guy's not doing his job, that player's this, that player's that. And that's what social media brings to the table. And, and see, to be honest, it's a big reason why I don't go on it as much now as I did once before. Because if you go on and you actually actually read some of the comments, it's it's crazy. You know, you'll have maybe like like sort of free messages and it'll be Ryan Kent was great in that game. Next guy will go, Ryan Kent was shite. And the tweet underneath will say, I wish you let Ryan Kent go for free at the end of the season. So how can three people have so different opinions on the space of three tweets? And this is the madness of social media. Whereas in the past, other than sitting in a pub with your mates or sitting in the bus, you would never really like put stuff like that anywhere. It was just a chat between all the guys in the bus. And that's what's changed. It's also it's also sorry, Robert, it's also it's also so easy. Right? It's also so easy. And I know I've suffered from this and William suffered from this as well. It's so easy for people to say things on social media behind a keyboard that they would never, ever, ever say in public. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you get people saying, oh, this, you know, Ross Wilson's this, or Stuart Robertson's that, or Ryan Kent's the next thing, and this one's that, and Roberts, whatever. You know what I mean? And it's easy for them to sit, sit and press, press the buttons on a keyboard because they know they're never going to see these people. They're never going to have to justify what they've said, which is where a lot of this nonsense comes from because some people believe absolutely everything that they read on social media. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas those of us that are a wee bit longer in the tooth that grew up without social media believe absolutely nothing that we read on social media. No, because you grew up most games, of us are a lot of shit. That was all you knew. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what? And, and see, quickly before we move on to the next thing, I think the one thing we'll say is, like, we're not being critical of other people's opinions. We're just saying that, like, depending on your age, you probably see things differently. And that's the only difference. Do you know what I mean? And the problem is, and I think I said it prior to the pod, I don't think a lot of people actually know what Ross Wilson does. I think a lot of people just put his name in front of everything and say, well, he signed him, he signed him. I don't believe for one minute that Ross Wilson is the only guy that makes a decision on a player being signed. Well, just so, on that then, that's a, that's, a, that's a good point because Ross Wilson was the next guy he came on to and he said unequivocally, he's doing a brilliant job. He said uh, he hit, hit, the, hit the ball at the park with Bassey and Aribo. Um, and he said he's been unlucky um, in recent windows with injuries. So, William, you're saying that Ross Wilson shouldn't be attributed to, to every name that's been that's been brought into the club, unless I'm mistaken. Unless I'm mistaken, what you said there. But what? Who, who, who should who should be who should be taking the hit for for the, for the signings? Because all the people, all the people that sit and make the final decision on a player, 
you know, there's clearly a lot goes into signing a player. There'll be a lot of scouting work. I'm sure there's a lot of analytical work goes on. Obviously, the medical staff look at the history of the player to determine a lot of these things. Although it does feel like some of the times we sign guys, you start to think, "What's going on here?" Because they seem to come in and then break down. But it's clearly not just Ross Wilson that's making all these decisions. You know, it's, money's got to be signed off, so the board will obviously make that decision. Then you've got the manager must have some type of decision making in it. You know, the scouting network must bring a lot of these people to the attention of Rangers. You know, to me, like, like the one that really surprised me the most was the lad Zikowski, the Polish player. Right? He comes in at the end of a window for like a nominal fee, whatever it was, maybe a couple of hundred thousand pounds. He plays very little games, and then all of a sudden he goes out and loan this year, but he's not even really played that many games back in the Polish league. So see, to me, things like that, are a concern to me because who watched them, who put them forward for the move, who thought that was the right fee, and who determined that this guy was good enough to come into the first team squad, given at that time we had guys like Adam Devine pushing. So these are the kind of questions I have about the transfers. And I also believe that, see, at the end of the day, when you look at the recruitment that went on, even like sort of last summer and then in, in the January window there, that's not just down to Ross Wilson. There's so many other people at fault for that decision. I'm not sitting here saying Ross Wilson is doing a good job, right? But I'm just saying, I think a lot of people are quite literally pointing the finger at him for everything. And it's not just him that, that puts the money there, that signs the players, that makes all these decisions. It must be like a group of them that must make that final decision. Because there's no way that one well, man yeah. should oversee the whole thing. Well, if you listen, if you listen to the, the last... Three managers, right? From Stephen Gerrard, who had a lot of say in who signed, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, the current manager, right? They've all said that they get the final say on the signings, right? Yeah. Because they have to they have to work with the players every day. Now, yeah, of as I understand Ross Wilson's job or the director of football's job, and I would imagine it's the same for Ross Wilson, right? The manager goes and says, Look, we need this position, this position, this position, this position. And Ross Wilson sends a scout, the scouts out to go and have a look at them all. And they come back and say, right, we've got this list of players for that position, this list of players for that position. And the manager goes, right, okay, in order of him, him and him, go see what you can do. So Ross Wilson, to my belief, would then have to go to the board and say, look, we've got a chance of signing this guy who's the manager's number one choice, but he's going to cost you X. And they go, we can't afford X. Go and try and get number two who's going to cost you Y. Because we can just about afford Y. I think that's the way it works. So they're all involved. For me, a lot of the reason that we've ended up with some of the players that we have is they're, they're, they're trying to take cheap punts on, on, in, on players that have got injury injury yeah. records. And if we can get them fit, then they'll do a turn for us and we'll, we'll turn them around for them. I mean, if Kemar Roof, right, if Kemar Roof didn't have injury problems, he'd be nowhere near Scottish football because he's a yeah. tremendous striker. Right? He'd be nowhere yeah, near Scottish football. Right? 100%. But he's got, an injury, he's got an injury record that we thought we could probably do something with, but we can't. Right? But then you have to look at how he's been managed. And I'm just using him as an example because he's a recent yeah. example, right? For example, and I'm not criticising Michael Beale because I think he's doing a relatively good job. I don't understand why Kemar Roof came off the bench from a two and a half up against Livingston eight days before a cup final when we know he's made a glass and he might need him in a cup final. I don't get yeah. it. Because there's a chance he's going to break down. Keep him. If he's going to break down, let him break down at Hamden. At least you've got the use of him then. But that's something that they should do, that they should all be looking at, not just the manager the director of football, who, as I understand it, runs the entire football operation, 
And if you want, I'll go off on a big diatribe about making the same mistake twice because what they did was we won the last title in 2020 in, in 2021. Didn't fix the roof while the sun was shining to quote to, to coin Stephen Gerrard's phrase. And we've been we've been going downhill ever since. The the women's team, who will have a podcast about at 10 o'clock tonight, I just thought I'd throw that in. Um the women's team who won the league last season, also unbeaten like the, the men's first team was, right? They're they're progressively getting worse because we haven't fixed the roof while the sun was shining after they won the title. Now, if, as I understand it, Ross Wilson is head of the football operation and he's in charge of the whole thing, something's not right. All, now, whether that's because the board have said, look, we're doing okay, you're not getting any money to invest in these, to you know, bring in players. Yeah. Or to bring in the right quality of players, but we'd rather you took a punt on these guys and if we can get them fit, and we'll invest in the medical team. They could be investing, and I don't think they have because the injuries have been ridiculous. But they could conceivably have said, we'll bring in injuries. We'll get them fit, we'll move them on. So they might have invested in the medical team or in, med- or in medical science to help that. And we won't yeah. see that, we don't appreciate that. And I don't think for a man at that stage, like either hand, we don't know. Because go back to what the guy said in the interview with that other podcast. Right, they're not telling us anything. There's no the communication's no great, you know. And if we were winning, we wouldn't give a monkey's communication. If we were sitting nine points clear at the top of the league and we just won the league cup, nobody would be caring that the board aren't talking to us because it's all about what the team does on the pitch. So if we if we yeah. can start winning things, nobody nobody cares that Ross Wilson's not doing a good job or Stuart Robertson isn't speaking to you or Douglas Parks this or John Bennett something else. Nobody cares. It's all about what happens. That's, the that's only something only they can fix. Yeah. Yeah. No, think, no, and see what I was just going to say before you jump in. I think that's the truth. You know, see when teams are winning, nobody really cares. <laughs> you know, that's I mean, I really like sort of obviously watching Rangers when they're winning nine in a row, when obviously when Advocate come in. Did any Rangers fan really care how much we spent that first summer that Advocate come in? No. I don't even remember the fees that we paid for some of their players. I just remember us signing guys. And then when the season started, we're like, that guy Van Bronckhurst is quite a good player, isn't he? And then that guy after knew me, you can see why he's like a you know a Dutch international. It's like whereas now like, everything's just it's crazy. You know, I mean I just look at some of the stuff down at Chelsea with like the bowley thing and how much money he spent. And I mean, people are criticizing this guy for spending his own money. This guy spent hundreds of millions of pounds, and people are criticizing the guy for spending the money. And then they're criticising them for appointing the manager and sacking Tuchel and football like these days is crazy. It's 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 so much more because of Sky and BT and all these other big companies that are pumping in billions of pounds. While Scottish football is getting less on a television deal than what many of the other countries are in Europe, it's crazy. And see, the boys, you see, the only people that are who are to blame for the current state of the game. Is the people that oversee the game, the SFA, the SPFL, all these people are to blame for the state of Scottish football and the fact that the league has just slowly drifted and drifted and drifted. And if it wasn't for a couple of good performances in Europe in recent years for Rangers, I think a lot of people would be looking at Scottish football and thinking, but these guys are nobodies. You know, they don't even care anymore. Scottish football is so far away from where it, it was 
20 years ago. And it's scary, to be honest. And then, like, you look at the like the league this year. I don't think we've been a great team this year at any real point, to be honest with you. But you look at the amount of games that we've actually lost in the league. You know, like a half-decent Rangers team from, like, 15 years ago, when you were still going to Tynecastle and getting beat with Dick Advocates' team, when you were struggling to go and win at Pataudry. You know, like these things were happening because you were playing against better opposition. The standard in Scotland has dropped remarkably and that's because a lot of guys are now coming from like the National League in England and stuff like that whereas in the past at least you were signing players from a slightly higher standard than that and that's where Scottish football is and that's where our market is sadly well the people like that and all that is where we are I think we'll, we'll park that interview there because I think we touched on some good stuff there about transfers and I want to sort of come into another story that's obviously gathered a bit of momentum this afternoon. Obviously, Ryan Kent linked with, with Vincent Company's Burnley. Um, and, well, firstly, I want, well, if you sort of said there that Ross Wilson, um, you know, head of the football, the whole football sort of um, operation, where does it stand then with contract renewals and obviously this man, Ryan Kent? As far as I'm concerned, the contracts are 100% down to him. He's the man, as far as as far as far we're led to believe, that is in charge of the contracts because he's in charge of the football operation. Now, I know, going back to what, we, what I said earlier, he can only spend as much money as the board are giving him. So if he goes to the board and says, look, we've, we've offered Morelos a contract on 10% more than he's on, is that okay? And they say no. Give him what he give him the same as he's on or nothing else. If he doesn't accept it, then that's fine. That's nothing the man can do about that. But the fact that we've got so many players going out of contract at the same time, yeah, under his watch is scandalous. It's absolutely scandalous because we shouldn't have what eight, eight or ten players, whatever it is, going out of contract at the same time. We just shouldn't because. To me, it's a it's a dereliction. He should have, he should have been offering them a year ago. He should have been offering them extended terms. And if they said no, sell them in January at the latest to get something in for them, you know. I mean, Ryan, Ryan Kent, case in point, if Ryan Kent couldn't come out, couldn't come out of the future, he had to go in January because we had to get money back for him. Morelos can go for free with my blessing in the summer because we've had six good years out of a guy that costs us a million pounds. Right? Yeah. He's a leading leading European goal scorer, right? Million pound. That's a million pound we spent. Ryan Kent costs us about seven million, right? Yeah. We we need we need a return on that. But it doesn't look like we're going to get us that. If you believe his girlfriend, I don't tend to believe. I don't tend to believe girlfriends. So, you know, apart from my own one, of course, in case she's listening. Um, <laughs> but, well played, well played. You know, um, but, well, uh, well, but, well, but yeah, the, the contracts are down to Ross Wilson as far as I'm concerned. But again, mm-hmm. it's not all down to him because he can only spend the budget that he's given. Well, no, what you want to say to William, what, what is the strategy then? As, as Will says, there's a lot of players coming out of contract at the same time. We can draw on the corner Goldson, uh, how how long that played out last season, and he signed very sort of late on and, and obviously tried to stay. Where's the, where's the strategy in keeping your best assets? I mean, this is the thing. It's like, so I see as a supporter, you're always trying to kind of look at the outside and think, right, so what are they thinking there? You know, so to me, see if a player signs a four-year deal, See, once he's had two years of that contract, that's when a decision's got to be made on that player, whether you extend or you sell him. Because at that point, the value starts to drop and drop, and then it becomes more difficult to retain players. The fact that like the Golson situation kind of ran out the way it did last year, I think I didn't expect Conor Golson to stay first and foremost. I've, like, I've got to say that. So the way Rangers put out that tweet that day, 
I read the top part of it and guess what? All right, Connor's away, so so be it. But then a couple of seconds later, you look down and you're thinking he's signed for another four years. Queller, I mean, I know at the time people kind of spoke about potentially that Brighton were due a fee if Connor signed a new contract. So Connor basically let his contract run out and then signed the contract, which meant that Rangers didn't have to pay a further fee to Brighton for his services. Now, I'm not saying that's the same with Ryan Kent because I don't know if that's the case. However, for one of our supposed best 11 players to be, also basically what he's got, what, about three months left in his contract and so is Alfredo Morelos. These decisions should have been made quite a while ago and that is a fair criticism of the board and Ross Wilson. And see if Ross Wilson is told this is our maximum budget in terms of wages, signing on fees. This is what you need to work with. That's fair enough. Because see if somebody's like, you know, asking for silly money. Because Eddie, we've got a budget for Scottish football. That is our main budget. And then hopefully, you know, we make it into the group stages of the Champions League or the Europa League, which allows us to do a little bit more. But that's the reality of where we are as well. We can't say to Alfredo, oh, there's 50 grand a week. Because that would just be ludicrous to do that kind of deal. I mean, if the rumours are true that he was on, what, about 30, 30, 32, I think people were saying he was on at the time. So there's probably a lot of goal bonus included in that. There's probably appearance fees included in that. There's probably loads of additional stuff. And this is the thing that you just don't know. But I mean, what I would say to people, I've saw some stuff on social media that's saying, oh, but, you know, we can replace Ryan Kemp, we can replace Alfredo Morelos. I don't think it's quite as easy as that. And I know people have gone about Alfredo's only ever scored 13 goals in the league and this. See what Alfredo Morelos does. He works a back four better than any striker I've seen at Rangers in a long time. See the way that defenders actually have a fear of playing against Morelos. That's something you don't get from a lot of other players. What Alfredo's criticism, and it always has been and it will be until the day he leaves Rangers, is that he just doesn't score enough goals. But then like Wolf touches on Roof. Basically, whenever he plays, he scores. But the fact he's missed like a hundred games over the space of three years or whatever it is is absolutely diabolical, you know. So it's like you're trying to fit like those two guys into one. See if you could put Roof and Morelos together. I mean, that would be the perfect striker. But we can't afford that type of striker because they don't exist in our in our market. But here's, here's a question. Sorry, here's a question for you then, William. You, you said that the the Morelis and Kent would be replaceable, um, or, or wouldn't be replaceable. Either way, if they do go, we spoke about Ross Wilson and, and, he, and his past sort of endeavours in the transfer market. Is he the guy to be thrust to be bringing in and replacing those players in two, arguably of almost key positions? Well, this is where the manager, you know, you would like to think is making the final decision on these type of things. That's that's how it should be. He's the one that's bringing it in. I mean, I don't get I don't get comments like Thomas saying you could replace Morelos with a corpse. I mean, look, I'm not being disrespectful, Thomas, but see if you're watching a game of football and you don't think Morelos is a huge part of how we play, I'm not really too sure, mate, like so about your game you're watching. Because Alfredo Morelos is a massive part of our first eleven. He has been for several years. This thing now that people keep having a pop at Morelos is is absolutely beyond me. See when we lose him in the summer and you see who we probably replace him with. That's when people will appreciate what Morelos does because there's no many guys that can do what he does. And it's not just about his goals, it's about 
what he does out with that, it's the way that he that he can attract the attention of the defenders that allows midfield players to get into the box and score goals. It's the way that he holds the play up. It's the way that he brings other you know players into play. A lot of these things don't seem to go like sort of known by supporters. I can't understand it. And the same with Kent. It's not just about Ryan Kent's assist or his goals either. There's so many more things to go with it. I mean, that's just ludicrous to say that he's lazy. I mean, do you ever look at Morelos' stats? Do you know what I mean? Like, so Morelos is always in the top three, the top five guys in the pitch for the amount of running he does in the pitch. People have got a thing now with Morelos. Like, I don't really understand it. it like, I think people will only realise how good Alfredo was for us when he goes. And it's the same with several other players that we've got at the moment. Like the criticism that comes our way. I'll say something right now. We will really struggle to find a better keeper than what Alan McGregor was for Rangers. We'll never have another fullback like Tavernier that assists and scores the goals that he does. We'll never find another Stephen Davis because of what he's done for the football club. I feel that this summer and moving forward, we're going to struggle to recruit the same standard of player that we've had even over the last few years. Because I just don't know if the budget's there to go and do that. And that's just my honest opinion on it. I really do think we'll struggle to replace the players that we've got right now with a better quality or a better quality that the supporters think we, you know, that we can get or we should be able to afford. Well, if I could see you were about to say something there, on you go, Paul. No, all, all I was going to say is that William, William's right in what he says about about the that we won't realise what we've got until it's not there. But I mean, if if these big players do leave, the one thing that it does give us is, is a bigger wage budget because they're all they're all high earners, so there'll be more money. To, but but mm. it's who it's who you bring in. You know what I mean? And I worry that we're going to be we're going to be shopping in the bargain basement, or we're going to be looking at free transfers again. Now it's yeah. encouraging for me that the manager said, "Look, when he was pressed on it, look, I've got names, and the club's given me names." So he's so Michael Beale's bringing names forward as well. And then I go back to what he said in January that he's got a striker lined up, but he's not available till the summer, saying who it is in case somebody else comes and gobbles him up. So hopefully that's right and that comes through early. And it is a decent striker, but we don't know who it is. It could be any, it could be London Dykes. It could be anybody. We don't know who it is. It might not be somebody's worked with before. You know what I mean? But at least if you take the man to his word, he's he's bringing some names to the table. And if the director of football and the, and the, the board of the directors doing their job right, they'll try and get the guys that he wants. Because look what's happened across the state, right? The fat Aussies came in, said, I want these guys that I know who they are. And they do the job I want them to do. They've gone and signed them and it's, it's worked for them. Yeah. So, so Michael Beale's want to bring in his own guys. No, and that listen, and that is massive. We spoke about that on uh, the, the after the, the after match reaction on Saturday. But I think t- Tim Charles had on a point that I was going to bring up anyway. Like, you know, big players have left Rangers before you guys are a lot older than me, and I remember far more many players than I'll remember. But big players Cheers. have left Rangers. <laughs> big players have left Rangers before, and, and, the, and the, we, we have filled in those positions. So I don't think it's something to be feared. That if we lose the likes, if you mentioned Tavernier and Davis and McGregor, I don't think that should be a fear. Maybe not all at once, like we're going to do in the summer, albeit, but certainly I think it should be something that Michael Beale should embrace, because I do think Wolf, Wolf, what you say is important. He needs his own players. He really does. Just to go on, I think we're going to move it slightly on towards Hibs, and, uh, and the manager obviously spoke today, Wolf, you touched on um, bits and pieces there, um, and he did say that we should be really optimistic about the future. 
Um, and, and I took that as he knows that things are happening in the background and we are talking to players. So, William, Pibs, Wednesday night, how big is this going to be? It's a big week for the club. Look, I think the reality is that we're not going to finish any lower than second, are we? But it looks as though it's going to be a tough push to try and win the league, clearly. I mean, look, these remaining league games are and the cup games are basically for the manager to make a decision on, on who he's going to keep come the summer. That's where we are right now. I mean, the guys lost one game in like 20, and yet you'll still see people criticising them. I mean, that's I mean, that's the difficulty of coming to Rangers now in terms of, you know, the transfer budget. When you look at the squad, how he's going to replace players. And this is what I'm trying to point out to people. It's all right for people to say stuff like, oh, it's okay, we can replace him or we can replace him. But I don't think we will replace some of the guys that are going with the same with the same quality. And that's my genuine fear come the summer, that if we're only going to add, say, three or four first-team players, we're going to lose more than that in the summer. So unless those guys who are currently, um, you know, within the squad, or unless he's going to utilise the loan market and try and bring in players like that, I don't see us spending a huge amount of money this summer. I just don't see it. You know, the fact that we we spent so little in January, and we obviously try to haggle those prices down as low as we physically could to try and get those guys in, I don't see you spending a huge amount in the summer. That's why I think they'll try their best to try and to try and sign Kent and Morelos to new deals because they'll know privately that she's trying to replace these guys. How much would it cost to replace Kent? Or how much will it cost to replace Morelos? I know people will point towards, well, we're keeping guys longer than we should. But then, eh, who do we find to replace these players in terms of, you know, the cost value? I mean, Ryan Kent... It overall has done a really good job for Rangers. That's how I see it. You know, his European performances, he's shown up in a lot of the big games. People point towards the stats again with these things. I guess I think that Ryan Kent does a lot more on a football pitch other than to assist and score goals. I get people point towards other players, which is now a thing that people bring up. They bring up all this XP and all this stuff. Like To me, I don't really think these things are a big thing for me personally. I view a player on on what I view in a football pitch and that's how I'll always do it. But I just think it's going to be really tough come this summer to recruit and I think we should enjoy what we've got left of the players we've got because I think next year people will be will be shocked when we see the standard of player because I really do worry that we'll just not spend the money to, to bring in the players that we really need. So I would enjoy hopefully a victory over Hibs on Wednesday night. Alfredo to score a couple to run, I don't know. Maybe you know he'll be the top runner in the pitch, and he'll score two goals and we'll one two nine. That would be great for me because that annoys people, and I quite enjoy that. Well, for, I, I you'll want to you'll have a fair, Sorry, you'll, you'll have a fair job being the top runner because you're going to start on the bench on on Wednesday, but that's another story. Just on the just on what William was saying on the back of that, I think it's important to play devil's advocate. And you, uh, you're saying we won't get any, you know, get the players in that we need and spend the money. And I probably agree on the money part. But well, surely if there's play, if Ryan Kent's coming out of contract, surely there's got to be players of similar quality coming out of contract in other parts of the globe. No. Yeah, I mean, what you've got to remember as well, right? We spent just under a million pound on a striker nobody had ever heard of, a Colombian striker from a club in Norway that nobody had ever heard of, and now we're now we're all crying because he's going to be leaving. So, you know what I mean? That's, that's a fact. Six years ago, nobody had heard of Alfredo Morelos. Who is he? Nobody knew. He came in and look what he's done for us. You know what I mean? And the majority of the sport absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love us. 
Love him, right? So what's mm-hmm. to say that, that they won't find another Alfredo Morelos somewhere? I mean, we have to, we have to, we probably are, but we'll have to, we'll have to look a wee bit further afield than the lower leagues in England or, yeah. you know, France or, or Holland or whatever. We need, we need to look further afield. I mean, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought Rangers would have signed a Colombian striker from a club in Norway. Not ever, because you wouldn't expect to find a Colombian striker in Norway. But they found them. Finland, wherever it was, wherever it was, Finland, Scandinavia. Right? Okay, Scandinavia. Right? Sorry, I'm getting a bit, I'm getting a bit excited. It's been a long day, you know. And uh, that's what I get for that's what I get for using Mark's uh, Mark's research. But anyway, um, but yeah, and then Ryan Kent. Nobody really knew much about Ryan Kent when we signed him. When he's done, same applies to him. You know, he's done done a great job. Glenn Glenn Kamara. You know, he went from from Arsenal to Dundee. Did okay, then he was never a, never a standout. He wasn't a name on everybody's lips when we signed him for fifty grand. So there are those bargains out there. We just have to find them. I mean, the frustrating thing for me, touching on what William said, is, and I mean I'm considerable than both of you, um, is that a lot of the the people that are that are heavy that are heavy on social media and pedal and peddling all the all the noise, right? They're they're younger guys who are starts driven, right? You know. There are younger guys who are who are starts driven, right? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't even know what XG is. You know what I mean, you hear, you know, they say, you know, the player is an eight or a six or a ten, or that's that's more or less alien to me, you know. Yeah. And because people look at stats, stats will tell you anything. There's an old saying: there's lies, damn lies, and statistics, right? You can look at statistics any any way you like. I mean, I, I put something in the group chat earlier about the reckon Morelos is the the worst striker for cha- for chances created to chances converted. That's probably right. But look at look at the chances he look at the chances that he creates that there's nobody there because he's up front himself and he's not getting the support from the midfield, etc. You can read it any way you like. You can read the stat any way you like. And if all you're relying on is a player's stats, you're not you're not going to have success with, with, with players. Because like William, I, I believe my eyes, I believe what I see on the pitch. You have to do the eye test. It's all very well saying, okay, look at all the stats, and this guy looks really good. You have to actually go and physically look at the guy. And you don't just look at him once, you look at him more than once to say, yeah, that guy's good, that guy's not good. You know, so all these people that are looking at stats, say, look at the stats this guy's got, doesn't really tell you anything. No, I think the thing that, so we see one of the uh, sort of arguments I had recently with a guy, because he was talking about, obviously, the guy, Patrick Kasky, I think it is, puts a lot of stuff on social oh, yeah. media. Yeah, yeah. And I think it is interesting to a point, right? But you know what those stats don't tell you? If the players get character. If yeah. the player can can roll up at Celtic yeah. Park in front of sixty thousand people and like cope with criticism and being coped with all the abuse, and then like you look at all the stuff on social media now, is a player mentally strong enough to cope with that? Because even a player is scoring maybe twenty five goals in another league. See when you come to Rangers, it's like a different planet. You can see the pressure as soon as you walk in the door, the level of expectation. It's it's crazy. And you've seen guys who have won Champions League come to Rangers and totally fall apart. You know, so that shows you the level. And it's just, I think a lot of these things are great. And I think it looks great when you look at this, a guy averages a goal every 110 minutes or he averages an assist. See, the reality is, for most football clubs now, it's just, I think you've got to look at a player overall. I mean, to me, somebody like Raskin already looks like somebody that's got character. It's got a bit of desire, a bit of fight, a bit of passion about him. I think he'll be absolutely fine at Rangers. 
I mean, Cantwell I'm still 50-50 on. I think you can see the quality the guy's got when he's on the ball. But you just wonder if in some of the big games, when maybe you roll up Easter Road, Batodre or Parkhead, is he going to be the guy that's going to make the difference on that game? Or is he the sort of guy that's going to drop onto the bench because you bring on another tough midfield player that's going to be enough to fight out a draw or to maybe try and steal a 1-0 win? Well, there's, there's, a, good, there's a good point, actually, because obviously we are going Easter Road on Wednesday. Hello, Martin, how are you doing? Um, you're going to be another side of defence for this one. I'm coming to you with this. Um, but before you do, I had... I'm just literally in the door. I had to rush home because I was getting messages saying that um, William was winding everybody up in the comments. I don't know what's going on. No, look, it's just, it's just my opinion. It's just my opinion at the end of the day. You know, people <laughs> you thought somebody was wrong, that's, it, that's all. No, it's, it's like people going about... I mean, like, I keep seeing stuff about you scored 12 league goals. So what do people want? See if Alfredo scored 25 goals a season, right, but we still didn't win anything. In some people's eyes, they would still be shit because they haven't won anything. See, even, I mean, I've seen Rangers strikers who, who have been part of title-winning teams who have scored 12, 13 goals. But, like, people don't go back and criticise them for that. This no, is now, I, I mean, this is now the modern era, right, where, where you get people coming in and being very critical over statistics. Like, see, to me, these people don't watch... Like enough football in terms of like the old school way when you went to a game and you judged it with your eyes and you judged the player's quality, and that's the reality of it. No, you know? no, listen, this is the this is the fantastic thing about doing podcasts. Everybody's got an opinion. The problem I've got now is like there's too many of them that are sitting on social media, right, and they're looking at stats. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't have stats. Don't stats mean me. nothing. I mean, see, at the end of the day, see if you're just going to look at stats for everything. That isn't going to always bring up a good football player. No. People going about about Brighton and Brentford. These teams are still out spending 15, 20, 25 million on one player. We are never mm. going to be able to do that. No, I so guess. our market is a lot is a lot smaller than that. And the reality is, like Michael Beale also knows the English market. So I'm pretty sure come the summer we're going to be tapping into that as well. People are going to be critical because I don't doubt for a minute we might sign somebody from maybe like the English League One. We might sign a player for... I mean, it's like Tom Lawrence. Like, he came for Derby. Do you know what I mean? And at the start of the season, he was one of our best players. And that's where... This is where the tough thing is for us, is we've been out and spent a lot of money on Redfan. He's obviously really struggled. He's he's now picked up an injury. There's talk that he might be playing tomorrow in the Glasgow Cup tie, which is which is great news, because I do like Redfan. I do think he can be a good player. But like that's the balancing act to the board, right? People will, will scream for the rooftops. We'll spend money. But you could argue if you're looking for value, who was the best value signing of the summer? I mean, see if people can put that in the comments, for instance. Who was the best signing of the summer? I think you could argue that Tom Lawrence was one of the best signings of the summer and he never cost us a penny. Until one of the Rangers medical team put a, a bandage on with a nail gun. Until that happened. <laughs> right, and that's the thing. I mean, that guy came off the pitch that day and like I think Gio said after the game, it's fine, he'll be okay for the next game. And he's never been back on the pitch since then. So... Yeah, look, medical stuff this season has been really, really tough. But then, like, you look at the other side of it, we we brought in Tillman on a loan with the potential to sign the guy. So, like, who should get the acclaim for that deal? Do you know what I mean? So these are the things. It's easy to always look at the negative stuff. No, it is. It is. But the the fact of the matter is that, you know, for me anyway, just my own personal opinion, I think Morelos has been fantastic for Rangers, but he's been here too long. He has to go. He's been here too long. Um, and that's fair enough. 
Alan McGregor, Rangers legend, one of the greatest ever goalkeepers, yeah. but he's past it now. We need to replace him. So these things. But it's happen. the standard of replacement. I mean, it's the standard of replacement we're talking but about. Sorry, well, you just need to come in. You said there though, like about going to League One and stuff. You just need to look at Matt O'Reilly. That was a, that's a bargain. He's a, a, a decent quality player in our league. So there is, there's gems out there. You've just got to find them. You really I mean, have to find them. But, but that brings back to the question that everybody's talking about: is mm-hmm. you know, is Ross Wilson the man to do that? And for me, no, he isn't. He is not. I with you, Martin. I don't think he is. He's not the man. Now, I was listening to it. I was driving, so obviously I had my phone beside me and I had the podcast on and I wasn't looking at it or anything because right, I was driving. Um, but yeah. Have you Michael no got Bluetooth Beans, in your, your car or are you, are you driving the 1920s Skoda? Put it through I'm your driving Bluetooth. An, get I'm driving an 18, clear. I drive an 1874 Riley. I don't know what that is. See, none of you even know what a Riley is. But no, but I, of course, Michael Beale's got to have a massive input, but Gio's not a stupid guy. Gerard was not a stupid guy. Um, they can only deal with the players that yeah. they're told they're allowed to get. So if if you're asking me, do I feel confident and taking from what William said, do I feel confident that we'll be able to bring in players of similar or better calibre than what we have now? My fear is that we don't because you just have to look at Wilson's track record. If you went through the list of Every single player that Ross Wilson's brought into our football club, it's a lot of players, by the way. A lot of players. So if he's brought in X amount of players, why was seven of the starting lineup in that cup final the same as 2019? If Ross Wilson's so good at recruitment and so good at his job. So I take what I take Logan's point hundred percent absolutely. Um Morelos has been here too long. He needs to go, right? He's a fantastic player. But as a striker, he's, he's brilliant at what he does. He just doesn't score enough goals. We need a striker that scores goals. So we brought in Roof. He didn't work. Um, we don't play to Cholak's strengths, but hopefully that starts to work out a bit. Um, Alan McGregor's passed it. Tav, we can debate all night. Borna for me is not good enough. But at the end of the day, Ross Wilson's the man who's going to make that decision. So are we going to get players who are as good as, as, good as or better quality than what we have? So... My answer to that right now is I sit here would be no, we won't. So I just on that, Martin, you said, um, you know, why were there seven starters for 2019? And it's what I'm, it's based on what William's been speaking up before, a fear of not being able to replace these guys. Well, you can't live in that fear or else you just see this decline that we're seeing. No, but we have tried to replace these guys. Ross Wilson has brought in a spectacular amount of players. A spectacular amount of players. And they have- just, go back, just go back to the last year. Just go back to last January. The last ja- last January window, we've got one player still left that he signed in the window a year ago, and that's John Suter. He's just come back from injury, and we and we signed him on a pre-contract at the time yeah. when he was how, injured. Well, how many players came in under Geo? So has he? I've never said he needs to stay. Yeah. Well, he clearly he clearly he clearly didn't want Aaron Ramsey because he never can play them. So he clearly didn't. Well, that was yeah. a. That was a Ross Wilson ego signing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the rest of the debate all night. But you're right, Ross Wilson. For me, he's been he's been at the club four years. He's been here too long, and I've got no doubt his hands are tied with the budget that he's got. And he probably he probably the Aaron Ramsey thing sticks out sticks out to me. It was something like a two and a half million pound loan fee, and whatever whatever wages we paid the guy, and the manager didn't want him. It was a ridiculous signing. Although we were all fawning over it when he brought him in. 
Hundred percent. You know? So I think Ross Wilson's been here too long, but it's not an easy job for the man to do, and I don't think the decisions are all completely down to him. But we need to re- we need to replace him. But who do you replace him? That's the problem. Figures do you get back to the old days where you just let the managers make the decision, like they're the ones that sign the players. So you just have a scouting department and you'll have like the analytics guys, and basically, you know, they sit down with the manager and the manager says, Well, I want him, him, and him. And that's it. So sometimes having too many people at the club is maybe causing too many problems. You know, it's sort of back in the day, like Walter Smith would have just went to the board and went, I want him. And that signing would have just went and get done. I know at the time we still had scouts, we still had a had a head scout who was obviously still watching players. But let's be honest, but it's see at the end of the day, see if Walter Smith went to David Murray, I want him. Then that deal probably nine times out of ten got over the line. Whereas now it feels like there's mm-hmm. a chain of command, isn't there? There's like there's like yeah. five people that you've got to get to to get to that. Aye. that but well, in, in, in those in those days, David, excuse me, David Murray did the negotiations. Would you would you be comfortable if we got rid of Ross Wilson if, for example, Stuart Robertson did those negotiations? Because well, it's going thing. to be him. Because it's not it's not going to be Douglas Park. It's going to be Stuart Robertson or John yeah. Bennett. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, so, and that's the thing. It's like, so I mean, so if that happens, our supporters are going to be any happier. Exactly. That happening. Because this is this is the thing. Because there's the club, No, what I was going to say is that, no what the club do, it won't change because as long as we're not winning cups or winning leagues, people will always pick fault in what's happening because that's how football is now. Whereas in the past, like nobody cared who your head scout was or who the, the scouts were that were out watching games. You're, nobody really cares. Whereas now, see if you actually Google it, you can probably find most of the Rangers scouts that are actually out watching games. Or like that guy that posted the picture at the Preston game, I think it was, where there was a Rangers scout obviously watching. And people at that point were talking about um, Freddie Woodman who's obviously a good goalkeeper. Then there was other players that night that played for Coventry that Rangers had been linked with before under Steven Gerrard. So these are the things. It's like, I'm sure they're watching games all the time. But the problem you have is, if we were to sign Freddie Woodman, how much would it cost? Would we need to pay three and a half, four, four and a half million pounds to buy him? And then you've got his wages on top of that. How much of the summer budget does that take away? If you add Tillman in there at, you know, the reported five or six million, that's 10 million pounds just on two players. I know, but they've got 10 million pounds. They've got 10 million pounds already around fence for two players, they tell us. No, but and one of those two players is gone. Never mind that. Never mind that. Never mind that. That's the difference between the two football clubs in Glasgow right now. That Ange came in and went, I want this player, this player, this player. He spent 40, 50 million. Um, and they've managed to do really good negotiations where they've managed to get players out for good amounts of money. So that's the difference between the two football that. clubs right now. That's why we can't financially compete with them. And that's why we need somebody at the top. We need somebody in our sporting director on the board, whoever, to come in and sort the mess out that Ross Wilson well, is We are years behind them because they, they, they've had Peter Lowell doing that for 20 years. Doing all the negotiations now, he left for six months and he's come back again, right? They've had him doing that for about tw- for about twenty years. That's why they get such good deals mm-hmm. because he's been make- he's been striking good deals. I mean, they've they've had money, sell- they've they've got good money for selling absolute can haddies, and I don't know how he manages to do it, but we need we need to do that. But we're saying Ross Wilson here four years and it's too long. They've had a guy doing it for twenty years and he's got it right. We need to get somebody that can do it right. Who that's going to be? 
How much control are you going to give him? I mean, really, level level's position as a CEO, right? Could you see Stuart Robertson, who's our CEO, doing what he does and negotiating contracts and selling players? Like you just couldn't. They're totally different, totally different business businessmen doing totally different jobs with the same job title. So it's which is it's, the state of football clubs in right now, and which is Correct. which is why it won't get any better until such times as somebody on the board grows a set of balls and starts running the football club correctly. So sorry, Robert, carry on, buddy. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you what's been really, really difficult. It's handling you guys because I've got three wins. I'd rather spend the night with you. This is <laughs> It's been absolutely incredible. No, listen, I was just going to obviously talk about the Hibs game for five minutes before we said, um, call it a night. But I think the, the boys were going to have a debate. I don't know if I want to have a debate now about who's going to start up front. Wilf, you were clearly on the Cholak train. William, you were definitely on the Morelos train. Martin, where do you sit and who should start on Wednesday night? I want Cholak to start, but I think he'll start Morelos. Why? If it's who we want to start, I want them both to start. But he won't yes. start them both. Yes. No. Yes. But the fact that he's only going to start one, the fact that it's away at Easter Road, a place that you know we have struggled at, um, the fact that we're still not playing a Cholak strengths, the fact that we're still a team that's set up for Morelos and the way that we play, um, I think that's one of the main reasons he'll start Morelos. Um, although I, I I wish we were set up, and I think we can be with the likes of a Cantwell and Raskin in there. If Hadji comes back in, I think the way that Hadji plays is set up perfectly for Cholak. If we could just get it working right, then Cholak starts every game for me. But he's going to go away. He's going to go with Morelos. I think it's a certainty that he starts Morelos. I just don't see past it. I guess I, mean, I like what Cholak does. I think Cholak has been a really good signing for what we paid for him. I just think that. On Wednesday night, I think you'll get back to the tried and trusted guys to a point as well. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if you maybe seen even Cantwell drop out the eleven. He you can't know, drop Cantwell. He can't drop yeah, him after his last performance. I guess thinking certain games, the manager will look at it. He knows how tough it is to go to Easter Road. He knows it's always a battle, and I think he just looks at certain guys and he'll think, you know, I mean, even look at the cup final. I mean, I think that everybody that I spoke to, everybody thought Raskin was going to start. And then you get to the cup final and he doesn't start. Mm-hmm. And the manager basically comes out and says, this is the tried and trusted guys that done it against Celtic in the last game. These are the guys that played well at Tynecastle. That's why they've been selected. That's why I think he'll get back to what he's done previously. And I think you'll see... I think Cantwell will drop out. I really do. That's... See, Molly, see if he drops, see if he drops Cantwell and Raskin, right? No, I don't and think he... he'll drop Raskin, but I think he'll drop Cantwell out there. Love see, see if he drops Cantwell on a simple fact of how uh, physical and that it's going to be, then I don't know what game of football Michael Beale's watching if he does that because you just watched that game we played against Kilmarnock. Cantwell was everywhere. He was, he was winning the ball back. Yeah, yeah but that's Kelly Ibrox, and you're talking about playing Hibs away. You know, like many Rangers managers have changed over the years when they go to certain grounds. It's just, it's just how it is. I don't, I mean, I don't agree with him doing that, but I just think he will. I think we called it the last time when we played at Pataudry, the like the changes that he made that night, and he did it again in the cup final. I think it's really difficult, and I just think he'll get back to who he trusts. And I'm not saying that he doesn't trust Cantwell to the same level as the rest, but he knows 
that certain players are playing at Easter Road before he knows that they'll be aware of what it's going to be like, the atmosphere, all the other stuff that comes with it. I hope he does play Raskin and Cantwell, but I just think Cantwell will drop out the 11. I really do. If he, if, if he thinks that he can trust Lundstrom or Kamara to play in that game at Easter Road, then he's bringing all sorts of pressure on himself, Robert. Well, he trusted well, well, to back into the cup final and stuff. And look what happened. You know, well, well, I don't think that will change his mind. I really don't. Oh, well, then he's in trouble. Just, just, just on that, Martin, because well, I, I, Martin, I Martin, he was... He was, he was Hold on, Wolf. Hold on. Let's give Robert his place. <laughs> What's that, Robert? I need a gavel. Um, Jesus. Um, no, just, I, I like to look at the... I've got two do the snails. <laughs> Send me one. Um, this has been some hour, I'm telling you. Uh, I've aged about 20 years, look at me. Um, right, so where was I? I, I like to think that there would be a wee bit of the manager's presence, and I did, he heaped a wee bit of praise on Choax. That's why I think he will start. But, there was, a, there was a bit where he, he did sort of wax lyrical about when Lundstrom came on and he, he sort of changed the game for him. So I do think Jack will drop out, Lundstrom comes in. I can't see Cantwell getting dropped, to be honest with you. Um, but I definitely think Cholak starts. William, uh, sorry, Wilf, you're in the Cholak camp. I know you are. Come on, support was, you. Well, that was the, the, that was the point I was going to make about Lundstrom. The, the, the manager was waxing lyrical about him today. I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll drop Jack. I think he might take Cantwell out. What and go with a three? And of the only reason, the only reason I can see him starting Morelos. Yeah, yeah. The only the only reason I would see him starting Morelos over over Cholak is because Morelos is a rotten sub. He takes him ages to get in the game when he comes off the bench. So that would be that would be my only rationale for him starting Morelos. But I, but I would be I would be starting Cholak. I mean, two assists at the weekend. You know what I mean? That's that's got that's got to say something. You know what I mean? And he's like he gave give him a chance and he'll, and he'll score. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully, him's come at us and we get a wee bit of space. But it's yeah. it's quite nice to be in the position of wondering who's going to start because not that long ago the team picked itself because there was nobody else. You know, so it's no, well, quite I mean, a nice position to be in. Martin, Martin, I'll come back to you. Obviously, the last time we went to Easter Road. Morelos saw red. Uh, I mean, how far have we come from there to obviously coming back and obviously under the new manager? Well, there's no Portis, which is a which is a bonus because that that guy. I've went back and forth from my opinions on Portis. There, there was even a, a, a very small, small period of time when I thought he might actually be able to do a job for us. Um, I don't know. I think I had too much coffee that night or something like that. Um, but there's, there, Hibs are a team. How can I put this? Um, Hibs are only very good, right? Um, but they're a team that are going to try and frustrate, annoy, get in about it. The crowd's going to be up for it. Um, but in terms of how far we've came under Beal, I'm not so sure about Morelos, if I'm being brutally honest with you, in terms of his attitude, um, etc., etc. There was a game, I, I think it might have been Livingston, I'm not sure, um, but he was just about to have a kick out at someday and he managed to just stop himself from doing it. Um, so my worry is that at Easter Road, it can be a bit of a pressure cooker because um, you know these places, there's, there's certain places where the fans will come and watch and nine times out of ten it's Rangers that they, they, they come out to see. So I would expect Easter, Easter Road to be quite full um, and my worry is that Morelos do you know I'm not even going to say it. No, do you know what? We have came a long way. Morelos is a far, far improved player and he'll be absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. 
Listen, I'm going to give the, the last word to William tonight. Um, the manager. I was going to say so many things there, but I thought, no, no, no. I'm going to it. I'm going to it. <laughs> but you've done well. You yourself. I didn't want to know. So the manager did say um, in, in his press as well that he was he thought that uh, Hibs are going to come at us, which I think is probably when we play best. Do you, would you agree with that? Well, I mean, if you look at the Hearts game, for instance, Hearts obviously tried to have a go at us, and that obviously allowed us to play a little bit more. I don't know if Hibs will be quite as open as the manager said, but well, I think Hibs have been on a decent run on a form. They've obviously won a few games. I think the lad up front, um, uh, Yuan, I think his name is, he's got a bit of pace. He's quite direct. He's tricky as well. It's interesting. I think it'll be a tough game. I do still expect us to go there and win. You know, the manager's overall record since he's come in has been excellent. You know, we can't be too critical. We're away form's been, been very good. You know, so I do expect us to go there and win, but it certainly won't be an easy game. Easter Road's never, you know, been an easy game for, for a lot of Rangers teams for a long, long time. Even going back to the times, you know, we had to kind of sneak 1-0 wins. I think we had a 4-3 one there one day. Didn't we, Wolf? It was Alberts that pinged one in the in the top bin. Um, we did. That, so was, like, that, that was the day that we... I think that was the day that we, that we put in 32 sick notes. I just think yeah. it's a yeah. big game and I do think the manager will and I don't like to say it. Actually, I don't want to see Campbell dropped out, as I said, but I just got a funny feeling he will. And I just think the manager will go with a more a more tight, like midfield free. And it'll probably be Sakala, Morelos, and obviously Ryan Kent. I think you'll be hoping that those three can think about I mean, the thing about fashion is, right, he can score a great goal or he'll miss control of the ball or run 20 feet away from him. But the thing with Sakala is, I think you've just got to keep playing him because he's likely to score and he's likely to do something that that will help you win a game of football. Does he frustrate the life out of most people? He does, but I just don't think that he's one guy the manager will drop too often between now and the end of the season. The one thing I will say about Hibs, though, is they get pumped off of Hearts in the Scottish Cup, but since then they've won four out of five games and another one was a draw. So they're actually coming in. That's why I was on Absolutely not. I knew them. They were in there. (laughs) So they they are coming into the game on Wednesday with a bit of form. It's true. No, I'd agree with you there. Obviously, they scored a a good few goals at the weekend as well. Beat Aberdeen 6 0. I think that they, um, the the manager was quoted today saying that, that he was looking forward to playing Rangers and thought he was going to have a goal. So well, they should be, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. No, they should be. Yeah. Um, so, no, listen, I think it'll be, as you say, as, as William says, an open game, but I do think Campwell will start. There's no way he drops him. Um, no, but do you, know, that, Robert, Robert, do you know, Hank, but they'll look at the way that Hearts played us, the way that Hearts came out. And we destroyed them simply because they were just so open. So I think they, they will they will come at us. They will put pressure on us, but they're not going to come all guns blazing the way Hearts did. No chance. I think they'll look to counter attack. I think they'll look to try and yeah. like sort of let us bring the ball and look to bust on us. I think that's mm-hmm. how they'll play against us because they do have pace at the top end of the pitch, and I think that's how they'll set up. I mean, the big thing for me is about us getting the first goal. You know, if we can get in control of the game, if we can get an early goal. I think we could go and score a few goals, but I think it all depends how we start the game. That's been our big problem, basically, for a couple of... Well, you can go back two years, basically. We don't generally start games that well that often. You know, it was actually a surprise at the weekend that we actually started the game off pretty well and we got a pretty comfortable half-time lead. 
yet in the second half we totally dropped off a cliff. Whereas most of this season it's been really poor first half, then we've kicked on in the second. I just think we need a big 90 minutes against Hibs. I think we need to show up. I think it's important for the players, for the manager, to go there, get the win, and then I think we'll obviously rest and recuperate. But as I say, I think tomorrow, um, Rangers are playing Celtic in the Glasgow Cup. I think we'll see at least... Well, I think the maximum's three overage players. So I think you'll see at least two, maybe three. I think Red Van's got to play. I wouldn't be surprised if John Souter was in that squad. Um, maybe Yanis Hadji. Leon King obviously needs minutes, but he's okay age-wise, as is Adam Devine. I think it'll be a strong team tomorrow, but that might obviously then affect the squad on Wednesday night in terms of who's on the bench. But I think tomorrow's a good opportunity for, for some of the players in the Glasgow Cup game to get some minutes. I would just be delighted with a 60-minute performance, if I'm being brutally honest with you. See the way things have been going. We played well for 45 against Kelly, and in the second half, we've done nothing. I would just like us to play well for 60 and then build on. And that's brilliant, because that's improvement. That's improvement. Listen, so that that is plenty for tonight. I just want to say to Will, Will, plug your your show tonight. What are you going to be talking about and who's on tonight with you? Uh, right, tonight, 10 o'clock. We're going half an hour later because Carl's on back shift. So 10 o'clock tonight, myself, Karen, Brian. Uh, talking about the the last two two ladies games, the five nothing win against Partick last Wednesday, and the one nothing grind away at Spartans yesterday. Um, so at least it's positive. It's two wins we're talking about. Uh, look forward to the game on Sunday against Hamilton Aikis, which conveniently is at ten past four in Cumbernauld, so we can go to Ibrox and then shoot over to Cumbernauld and get both games at the weekend. And can, I, can, can I just say to folks watching, if you want immediate match reaction to any B-team game or women's game, or you want access to any of our series or all of our other content as well, you can become a member of the Rabble Patreon for as little as £3 a month. And the link for that is in the description. Brilliant. Okay then, no, fantastic. Uh, we are back on Wednesday night, is that right, Martin? Or not yes. tomorrow? No, nothing tomorrow night, Wednesday night, is that right? We've got stuff on tomorrow night for the Patreon and YouTube members. It depends. If the Glasgow Cup game goes well tomorrow, you might see this face again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going uh, to be having nightmares about that face tonight. I'm telling you, Pete, I'll tell you, man. I hope that the guy, whoever at AA Studios is, the comments, mate, see if Rangers won the Glasgow Cup game. If you jump on, we can have a private chat because some of the stuff you've talked tonight is absolute nonsense. On that note, gentlemen, pleasure as always. Enjoy your evening, guys in the chat. Thanks for coming. It's been it's been an absolute uh, great show. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Does he know how to do it? Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.